0: hello and welcome to jeff's midweek bible study a verse-by-verse teaching through the bible with pastor jeff Lassane. we hope this podcast encourages your faith and now here's pastor jeff Well, hello to everyone, and as this podcast releases, we're just a few days away from Christmas, so I'm taking a break from our series in the Gospel of Mark, and I'm sharing a Christmas message instead. Just before Christmas, there was a the story of two young brothers who were spending the night at their grandmother's house. At bedtime, they knelt down to say their prayers, and as they closed their eyes, one boy started praying in a loud voice, "'Dear Lord!' Please ask Santa to bring me a skateboard and a new bike. His older brother said, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. I know, said his brother, but Grandma is hard of hearing. Hmm. My Christmas memories as a kid in the late 1950s, early 1960s, includes our six-foot aluminum tree backlit by a rotating four-color wheel. Nothing says Christmas like silver aluminum. Every few seconds, our tree went from red to blue to green and then a yellowish gold. These, by the way, were the same parents who kept warning my brother and I to stay away from psychedelic drugs. In that same family room where we celebrated our Christmas annually was our fireplace with a fake gas log. We always celebrated together on Christmas Eve, not Christmas Day, with food, family, and neighbors, but no Jesus. As kids, for at least my brother and I, it was all about Santa Claus and the presents. Looking back now, it was basically a fake Christmas each year, a fake tree, a fake fireplace log, and the fake meaning of Christmas. But even so, I really do have very fond childhood memories of Christmas with my family and our neighbors. I definitely knew about the birth of Jesus growing up and that Christmas celebrated his birth. But I never experienced the true meaning of Christmas in my heart until I trusted Christ at the age of 25. In fact, I came to Christ about three weeks before Christmas that year, so it made a radical, huge difference in how I understood and experienced my first Christmas as a Christian. Well, today, Christmas is celebrated all around the world in different ways and for a variety of different reasons. I certainly don't have to tell you about how commercialized it has all become. Not only has the true meaning been lost for many, Christmas has become something altogether different. For this reason, some Christians, religious people, and even non-religious people boycott Christmas. They see it as a pagan holiday that's just not worth celebrating. At the same time, you probably have people in your own life who question the validity of Christmas, or at least the traditions associated with it. Over the years, the questions I've been asked most as a pastor about Christmas from skeptics and even from a few Christians includes questions like, doesn't Christmas come from pagan origins? Doesn't the Bible forbid us cutting down and decorating a tree? And why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th since no one knows the actual date of Christ's birth? So then, in this Christmas season, I thought we could take a little bit of time to discuss Uh, the background of Christmas, as well as our Christian view of it. I read about a mom who took her five-year-old son to a large department store during the busy Christmas season. She thought it would be fun for him to see all the Christmas decorations all around the store. But as they were walking hand-in-hand throughout the store, all the little boy did was fuss and whine. Finally, in frustration, the mother said to him, My goodness, if all you're going to do is whine, we might as well just leave the store and go home. Well, then she looked down at his shoes and she noticed that his laces were untied, so she thought, well, perhaps he was frustrated with his untied laces. As the mom knelt down on one knee to tie his shoes, she looked around and suddenly saw the store from her five-year-old son's perspective. Instead of saying Christmas decorations, displays, and dazzling lights, all she could see at that level was a maze of human legs, strollers, and the bottom of display tables. It suddenly dawned on her as to why her five-year-old son was not enjoying the Christmas experience. From his uh, perspective, it was nothing but chaos and confusion. Well, in the same way, many people today, including some believers, have a wrong view of Christmas. They see it as confusing and even chaotic. So what is the true meaning of Christmas? Well, let's see if we can change their perspective a bit. The title of this message is Having a Christ-Filled Christmas. We'll reflect on some verses throughout this podcast, but let's start with the concern of some that Christmas has pagan origins. Now, for us as Christians, the origin of Christmas is the birth of Jesus and the incarnation of Christ. End of story. But I understand that in historical terms, there's a concern that Christmas has pagan origins. In the early church, there was no celebration of Christ's birth or his incarnation. Of course, the wise men came from the east and worshiped the birth of Jesus soon after his incarnation, but there was no ongoing celebration after the church was established in the first century. In the second century, the Romans were celebrating a holiday that concluded around December 25th. It lasted about a week and it was called Saturnalia, and it honored Saturn, the false god of agriculture. In that week-long celebration, it included festivities, feasting, and gift-giving. The Christian church was strongly against the celebration of a false god, so it responded by establishing a rival celebration on December 25th, the birth of Jesus and the incarnation of Christ. It wasn't a Christian version of that Roman pagan holiday. It was a Christian response to it. To say that Christmas has its roots in a pagan tradition, I think, is largely inaccurate. And for Christians, it was a spiritual response to, again, a pagan tradition. When Christianity became the state religion under Constantine in the fourth century, celebrating the birth of Christ on December twenty-fifth became a standard for the church. The church had been doing this; every, has been doing this ever since. So, while Christmas had correlations to a secular holiday. Christians have always celebrated it to remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, if Christmas is celebrated for any other reason than the birth of Jesus Christ, well, then it's definitely just a pagan holiday. I agree with Roy L. Smith's statement when he said, He who does not have Christmas in his heart will never find it under a tree. Some would continue the discussion by saying that Christians are not commanded to observe or to celebrate Christ's birth. And again, this is true to a certain degree. This is certainly the argument of the Jehovah Witnesses who do not observe Christmas. In fact, their website states, the Bible does not record that Jesus or any of his disciples celebrated Christmas. But again, in my opinion, that's a very lame argument since all of heaven celebrated the birth of Jesus. Remember in Luke 2, we read that an angel of the Lord appeared to the Bethlehem shepherds in the fields and made the announcement of the Savior's birth. That was immediately followed by a multitude of angels praising and glorifying God. All of heaven was rejoicing, praising, and celebrating the birth of Christ. I think we should as well. By the way, I love Christmas worship. The lyrics are so biblically strong and Christ-honoring. So why would we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, but not his birth? The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus are the most important events in human history, and we shouldn't ignore any part of it. It's not just a birthday, it's a unique moment when deity became humanity. In describing that divine moment, John 1.14 states, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But the Jehovah Witnesses say, well, we don't celebrate birthdays, including the day that Jesus was born. Well, my response is, okay, whatever, bye-bye. A related argument or concern by some is that celebrating Christ's birth on December 25th is wrong because no one actually knows the date of his birth. Again, that's true. No one knows the actual date. But is that reason enough not to commemorate Christ's birth? Not in my opinion. So why December 25th? Well, we've talked about it a little bit already, but Let me just say it's not impossible that Jesus was born on December 25th. I mean, mathematically, there's a 1 in 365 chance that he was, right? But historically and seriously, in the second century, a Roman Christian historian named Africanus calculated the birth of Jesus to have been on December 25th. Now we admit he made many assumptions in his calculations, but the date was widely accepted. There was also a 3rd century uh, theologian in the Christian church, Hippolytus, who claimed that Jesus was born on December 25th. And then in the 4th century, a Bible translator named John Chrysostom also stated his belief that Jesus was born on December 25th. Later in that same 4th century, when Christianity became the state religion under Constantine, December 25th became the official day of celebration. Others have argued that it was at a different time of year and that very well may have been the case. Some have claimed that the winters in and around Bethlehem were too cold for shepherds to have been out in the fields with their flocks and therefore it's impossible for Jesus to have been born in December. But we actually have reliable historical evidence that shepherds did tend their flocks during that time outside and in that area. Hey, look, the bottom line is that no one knows or is able to prove with absolute certainty when Jesus was born, so we honestly don't know. But the main point is not which day Jesus was born. The most important question is why do we celebrate his birth? And as Christians, we do celebrate his birth. He was born to be the Savior of the world, taking upon himself the sins of mankind. He came to redeem us and to rescue us. That's why we celebrate his birth. And it's great to have a day. It may not be the actual day, but it's wonderful to have a day annually each year that we can take time to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Look, we may be curious about the actual date, but the actual date just isn't crucial. Christmas is in the heart far more than it is on the calendar. And for many centuries now, the Christian church has celebrated his birth on December 25th. My opinion, like most other Christians, is that it's both pleasing and honoring to Christ to celebrate His birth each year. Throughout Scripture, God places a premium on remembering significant events with annual celebrations. God commanded His people to do so with Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles and Atonement. And in the New Testament, Jesus Himself established and commanded the regular church observance of communion to commemorate His death. Even the gathering of the church each week on Sunday reflects and commemorates the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Therefore, I have absolutely no reservations about celebrating his birth on December 25th. Just because unsafe society has hijacked Christmas and Easter, it shouldn't prevent us as believers from honoring God. So then, if a Christian believer told me that they didn't feel comfortable celebrating Christmas for the reasons that we just discussed, well, I wouldn't agree with them, but I wouldn't judge them over it either. However, if a Christian criticized other believers for celebrating Christmas, I would warn them against being legalistic and judgmental. Every once in a while, someone comes to me with the question, doesn't the Bible forbid cutting down and decorating a tree? Have you ever heard that one? That's because someone has probably shown them Jeremiah chapter 10, the first few verses. So let's talk about that for a moment. People wonder about many of the symbols associated with Christmas, the lights, the star, the gift giving, the tree, and so forth. But in particular, I hear the question about the Christmas tree the most because of Jeremiah chapter 10. Some of you are thinking, I don't know what's in Jeremiah chapter 10. Well, let me read those verses of concern to you right now. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles or pagans. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with an axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. And so when we read those first four verses in Jeremiah 10, we can see why some people might be concerned about cutting down a tree for Christmas and decorating it, right? It sounds a lot like someone putting up a Christmas tree. However, let's take a pause here and uh, look at this in its proper perspective. This was written hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, so this had absolutely nothing to do with Christmas or a warning against a Christmas tree. And more to the point, we need to read more of the passage to get the correct context and the proper meaning. And so if you continue reading, it's clear there in verses 5 and 6 and on that Jeremiah is describing Gentile pagans cutting down a tree and then carving idols out of it for worship. He said of those idols, they cannot speak and they must be carried. And Again, he's describing idols of false worship in contrast to the Lord. He also describes those idols as being overlaid in silver and gold. So then as long as you're not worshipping your Christmas tree or, I don't know, sacrificing the neighborhood cat to it, there's no concern about having a Christmas tree. We have no historical evidence of any pagan religions cutting down a tree and decorating it, though some churches did begin to set up evergreen trees to symbolize Christ's evergreen or eternal nature. The first known Christmas tree historically was put up in the 16th century by German believers. Even then, some conservative Protestants condemned the practice as pagan, but it continued and it became a tradition. We can actually take the various elements associated with Christmas and make points for their spiritual and biblical symbolism. For example, Jesus was crucified on a tree for our salvation. That's what Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.24. In fact, the greatest Christmas gift ever wasn't placed under a tree. He was nailed to a tree. For those who put a star on their tree, it reminds us of the star that the wise men followed to Bethlehem. That's in Matthew chapter 2. Also, if you hang lights outside your house or light candles inside, it reminds us of Christ's words, I am the light of the world. The giving of gifts reflects the wise men bringing gifts for the Christ child. Not only did the wise men bring gifts, but Jesus himself is the free gift of eternal life. By the way, you may have heard what what would have happened if there had been three wise women instead of three wise men. The women would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought disposable diapers as gifts. That's funny. The giving of gifts at Christmas then isn't an issue unless it becomes the main focus of Christmas. In fact, I have no problem with the tree, the lights, the star, all of that. Again, as long as, listen, it's not the main focus of Christmas or the meaning of Christmas. We have the example of wise men and we see the giving of gifts as a simple way of expressing joy as people celebrate the birth of Jesus. I have no problem with that as long as none of it overshadows the true meaning of Christmas. In some Christian families, the adults refrain from exchanging gifts and only give gifts to the children. I think that's great. Some families eliminate the gift-giving altogether, while others share gifts in moderation. Whatever way you and your family choose to celebrate Christmas and how you handle that, the focus needs to be on the gift of God's only son. By the way, speaking of gifts, I read a funny on social media, which said, and I quote, if you're out shopping on Christmas Eve, be nice to the retail workers. It's not their fault that you waited until Mary's water broke to do your shopping. And then there's the whole issue of Santa Claus, right? Where did he come from? Well, it might surprise you or you may know, he actually traces back to the fourth century to a Greek Christian man who lived in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. His name was Nicholas, and when his wealthy parents died, they left him the family fortune. But rather than spending it on himself, Nicholas helped out many poor families in his surrounding area by giving them secret gifts, including at times bags of money. He later became a Greek bishop and was considered the patron saint of children and sailors. After the death of St. Nicholas, traditions evolved over the centuries and in various countries. From the actual life of St. Nicholas, fictional characters evolved like Father Christmas, Kris Kringle, Sinterklaas, and then Santa Claus. In the early 1800s, a now-famous poem was written, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas," That helped to add to our modern and familiar feature of reindeer and a sleigh, stockings, chimneys, and other elements of Christmas. Santa Claus, then, though, is clearly a mythical figure, but his roots can be traced back in large part to the benevolent Greek bishop, St. Nicholas. Before we move on, let's briefly chat about how you might handle the subject of Santa Claus with your children or grandchildren. Again, This is your home and your decision. But in my opinion, one extreme is to teach your kids that Santa Claus is real. And then someday they'll just simply discover that he's not real and it's all make-believe. I'm not in favor of that because it sort of becomes a bit like lying. The other extreme that I've seen is where Christian families make Santa a Christmas version of Satan. (laughs) He's so bad, he's evil. But remember, Santa is based in part On a real person named St. Nicholas. In my opinion, you can tell your kids about Santa Claus with all the stories and traditions while explaining that Santa isn't real and something people simply enjoy for fun. But I think you should definitely tell them about the history of St. Nicholas. That's fascinating. But first and foremost, make sure that they know the true meaning of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. My grandkids know Santa isn't real, but we still enjoy sitting together and watching movies like Elf and the Polar Express. It's simply having Christmas fun together. Uh, Actress Shirley Temple wrote in her autobiography, and I quote, I stopped believing in Santa when I was six. My mother took me to see him in a department store, and he asked me for my autograph. That must have been an experience. Then there's the health-related questions. Should we leave a salad out for Santa on Christmas Eve instead of milk and cookies? Quick answer, Santa didn't get fat and jolly from eating salads. If you leave Santa a salad, he'll probably just feed it to his reindeer. Here's another Christmas-related question. Is there any concern with putting up a nativity set? The word nativity, by the way, comes from a Latin word meaning birth or to be born. And today, it's almost always used in reference to the birth of Jesus. And I say, as long as the nativity sets are accurate, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a witness, and it's a bit of a way to proclaim the Christmas story. But let me also say that as much as I enjoy Charlie Brown and Disneyland, Snoopy and Mickey Mouse, all of that, they should not be a part of your nativity set. You can buy you can buy entire nativity sets that are made up exclusively, exclusively. Excuse me of Peanuts characters or Disney characters, but personally, I'm not a fan of that idea. Tradition states that St. Francis of Assisi put together the first nativity set back in the 13th century after he took a trip to Bethlehem in the Holy Land. Since that time, it's become a popular tradition. I like it. Nativity sets are a great way to reinforce the story about Christ's birth with your children, and also a good witness for unsaved ma- uh, family members and neighbors at Christmas time. Well, let me switch gears before we wrap things up, pun intended, as we look at Christmas and the birth of Jesus from the viewpoint of Scripture. Here are five quick biblical thoughts about Christmas for us as believers. Number one, there's the purpose of Christmas, God saving us. In Matthew 121, the angel told Joseph in a dream that Mary would bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus literally means Savior, or God will save. Not just that God cares, or God helps, or God listens, but that God saves. Even the word Christmas literally means Christ Mass, However, the English word for Mass comes from a Latin root meaning to send. So literally, the word Christmas translates as Christ sent or to send Christ. And the scriptures confirm that God sent his son into the world, John 3.16. Jesus was born in a Bethlehem manger so that he could die on a Jerusalem cross. Number two, there's the wonder of Christmas, God's grace to us. The wonder of Christmas is more than just the birth of Christ. It's the fact that deity became humanity, what we call the incarnation. We read in Galatians 4.4, When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, to redeem us. The helpless baby born to Mary in Bethlehem is the one who came to rescue us. If that doesn't fill your heart with wonder, then I just don't know what will. Number three, there's the meaning of Christmas, God with us. In Matthew 1.23, we read, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God sent many angels in connection with Christmas. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and explained how her pregnancy would come about. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, confirming the truth about Mary's pregnancy. After Mary gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, an angel of the Lord announced to the shepherds in the fields outside the town that the Savior had been born. But the actual meaning of Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. God himself was born in Bethlehem in human form. In fact, it's worth noting that the first chapter of Matthew, there we're told that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And in the last chapter of Matthew, Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end. And so Matthew's gospel begins and ends with the promise that God is with us. If you wanted to condense the overall meaning of Christmas into three words, I think it could be God with us. In his Christmas book, Because of Bethlehem, Pastor Max Lucado writes, God is always near us, always for us, always in us. We may forget him, but God never forgets us. We are forever on his mind and in his plans. He called himself Emmanuel, God with us. Not just God made us, not just God thinks of us, not just God above us, but God with us. Fourthly, there's the message of Christmas, which is that God loves us. When the angel of the Lord appeared to those Bethlehem shepherds, the announcement was, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That message then was that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Well, number five, the promise of Christmas, God's peace and comfort for us. At the moment of our conversion, we receive the peace and comfort of God into our hearts. Romans 5.1 reminds us that having been justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our unforgiven sin placed us at war with God, but our salvation makes us to be at peace with God. On this side of eternity, we're still at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. But we also read in Isaiah 9-6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Today our hearts then are at peace with God through the forgiveness provided in Christ and then the day of God's everlasting peace is also coming soon. Well, in closing, let me ask you if you have received the true meaning of Christmas in your life. Remember what I shared with you earlier and that until the age of 25, I celebrated Christmas each year, but I had never experienced the true meaning until Jesus became my Lord and my Savior. In the Christmas story, Joseph and Mary went into Bethlehem just probably hours before Christ was born. When they attempted to get lodging, there was no room for them at the local inn. Listen, every person must decide if there is room for Jesus in their life. Salvation is a gift to us from God, but it must be received by faith. If you have never trusted Jesus by faith, to forgive your sins and to become your personal Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that right now. And listen, the Bible warns us that today is a day of salvation, and that's because tomorrow is promised to no one. So I hope and pray that you'll trust Jesus as your Savior right now. And so then let me just say, I wish you a very merry and blessed Christmas as you celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ.